Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm so glad to have you here today. My name, or you're listening to Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey and you're listening to Transformational Energy Leadership coming to you from the heartland of America. Now, today's show is called Create Awesome, and there's a reason for that. As you all know, that during, well, first of all, I need to say during the show, go to my website over the commercial breaks. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com, where you can learn more about me and my business offerings. And of course, contact me by sending me an email at mwolsey and transformationalenergyleadership.com. You can find me on this platform under the Empowerment Channel, channel, and of course, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. So let's get to the show. It is Create Awesome, and that's here for a reason. As you all know, each week I like to bring in guests with a unique angle on leadership, one that is energetic and transformational. And today, I'm sure, will be another one of those shows where my special guest, Justin Miller, has a story of leadership to tell, where he created an organization that tackled that tackles countries hardest hit by HIV and AIDS. And how did he take this vision, this mission, and coalesce a group of people around the world to make it come to reality and directly impact and help others? This question and many more we will explore as Justin shares his leadership journey of transforming lives in all dimensions of his work. So who exactly is Justin Miller? Well, here's a little bit about him. He is the co-author of a book called Beyond Blood, Hope and Humanity in the Forgotten Fight Against AIDS, and has recently been on a book tour to, to promote the book. Justin grew up in Fayetteville, Georgia, and is driven to serve others with the heart of an entrepreneur. As the co-founder and CEO of Care for AIDS, he has dedicated his life and leadership to empowering people throughout East Africa to live a life beyond AIDS. Justin's home base is Atlanta, Georgia, where he heads the U.S. Office of Care for AIDS. And Justin and his wife, Lindsay, have two beautiful children. That's Addie and Logan, and another one on the way. I'm hearing within the next 10 days or so. So, Justin, welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership. Thanks, Matthew. It's great to be here. I'm thrilled to have your story shared with others, and I have to tell you, to begin with, what really caught my eye about what you're doing is the message of leadership that's deep-seated by compassion and tenacity to tackle a problem from a place of true love, and that's what leadership really is all about. So I have to ask you, how did Care for AIDS get started? Well, Matthew, as you and I have, have talked about, life often takes you in a weird uh, a weird path. Um, one leading you back to the heartland of America and me to East Africa, which was not at all on my radar as I thought about what my life might hold. But as I was just 18 years old, I was sitting in a conference in Chicago, Illinois, and I heard for the first time about the, just the alarming impact of HIV and AIDS around the world. And as horrifying as that was, I was also disheartened that the community that I am a part of, um, the larger Christian community, the church, was nowhere to be found in the response against HIV and AIDS. And I had to confront my own 
lack of, of awareness and even maybe some prejudice against this issue and figure out what was I going to do about this epidemic that was affecting 40 million people around the world. And so that led me on this journey over the next nine months to, to understand and, and research more about HIV and AIDS. And it ultimately it led me to get on a plane the following year with a small group of guys. And we went to Kenya for a month to film a documentary about HIV and AIDS. In the moment, we thought that was, that was the end. That was the goal. Uh, we were going to produce this film. We were going to share it and hopefully raise some uh, attention around this issue. And maybe we could um, create some energy around the, in the church for responding to it. But uh, God had something else in store for us. We got there. We met two dynamic, incredible local pastors there who had just an incredible vision for their country and how they wanted to see the church uh, rise to, to lead the response against HIV and AIDS. And we ended up forming a partnership together and 40 or so trips to Kenya later, uh, I'm still uh, as passionate as I ever have been about this issue and about what we as really anybody, not necessarily just the church, but specifically what the faith-based community can do around alleviating uh, the suffering of those people that are affected by HIV and AIDS. Hmm. And I love hearing that you were so moved that you didn't just sit there and think about it, but you actually put things into action. A year later, you were in Kenya. That's pretty amazing. You know, just in considering the state of HIV and AIDS and more generally, my question is, how does one go about approaching international development from a healthy worldview? Yeah, that's a that's a great question and a really complex one. But I would just go ahead and for the listeners today, I would just want to give a quick update on the status of HIV and AIDS because a lot of people, I realize, don't even understand uh, the state of the crisis today. And the truth is we've made progress in a lot of areas, but there's still upwards of 2 million new infections a year and close to 40 million people that are still living with the disease. And so um, just, to, just a reminder that even though it hasn't been on the front page of our headlines in the past decade, uh, it is still an issue that is creating a lot of pain uh, around the world today. When it comes to community development, mm. I think the biggest thing that we miss is we, we misdiagnose the root issue of the problem that we're trying to solve. And in, in my opinion, my worldview, I think that each person is really connected in four main relationships. They have a relationship with God. They have a relationship with themselves. They have a relationship with others. And they have a relationship with creation or, uh, or work, if you will. And, and then surrounding that, they have interactions with political, social, economic, religious systems that also impact their life. But when we look at people in East Africa, for example, that are in need of, of, of care, we often look at their material poverty as the biggest thing that we have to address because we really think that we need to project of our American worldview or the American dream, if you will, onto the people that we're serving. Um, we want them to experience more economic prosperity. We want them to be economically independent from other people. We want them to be more individualistic. And all of these things uh, ultimately are missing the mark. And 
we really have to look at how are people experiencing brokenness in their community, with their work, with their own identity, uh, and with God, and how do we help to restore people into those relationships so that then they are able to lift themselves out of material poverty. And if you just go straight to addressing, especially with HIV, uh, let's help this person by giving them uh, just medical care, or let's help them get better housing, or let's give them food, and you don't address all of the the rejection that they felt because of their HIV status. You don't address the fact that they want to work, but they don't have the social, financial, or knowledge capital to do anything, uh, and just the narrative that they are completely worthless. Um, all of those things are far more important to helping someone be empowered than it is to provide them with more material resources. Mm. Isn't that the symptom of so many things going on locally, nationally, internationally, is we see something on the outside, no, here, let's just throw money at it. What you're saying is the real root cause here is broken relationships, and I think that transcends so many other things in life as well, and that's such an important point that you bring up there. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about my experiences, you know, I think about I've worked in higher education, I've worked for, you know, for profit and in the consulting world, I've worked in nonprofit space. And so you're, you're delving into this nonprofit space here. And I'm curious to get your perspective on what you see are the key differences between nonprofit versus business as a leader. Yeah, that's something I've become really interested in over the years, I went back to school to get my MBA because I wanted to understand what do we bring, what do we need to bring in to the nonprofit space from the business world? And I would encourage our listeners who in the business world not to discount their fellow nonprofit leaders um, because uh, nonprofits have been notoriously thought of as as wasteful and inefficient. But uh, I believe there's so much that business leaders can learn from nonprofit leaders as well. But fundamentally, Matthew, I think that the core tenets of leadership are are fairly similar. Obviously, I believe the leader needs to embody a servant spirit. How do we, as a leader, try to add value to the team, to the donors, to the program beneficiaries? Um, I believe they must understand how to cast a white-hot vision to what the impact they're trying to create is, and they need to build a high-performance leadership team to help the organization be able to grow beyond just the personality or the charisma of a single leader. Um, but as I look, or, you know, as I look at the leadership question, it, it raised an important, it, it raised an important thought in my mind about, you know, I do believe, and this is not just a disgruntled nonprofit leader that says this, but I really do believe that in many cases, leading a nonprofit is oftentimes much harder because some of the constraints than leading a business. And uh, Jim Collins even talks about this. He he writes about this in, in his book, but. Um, in a nonprofit setting, we can learn a lot from great leaders because they have to really inspire people uh, with a vision without necessarily being able to offer the tangible product or service in return for a, for a donor being involved. Um, they're, you know, the best nonprofits are really good at sharing stories and communicating purpose. Um, they're really good at rallying volunteers to give freely to the support of the organization. That also requires vision. Um, we have multiple sets of customers within our organization between our donors and our clients in East Africa, and that makes our complex um, set of factors. And we have to attract the best talent out there, but we don't have all of the levers to pull in attracting that talent. And 
And ironically, even as organizations and nonprofit space grow, the more successful they become, that actually deters donors from supporting because they want to go and give to smaller organizations that need the money uh, as they see it more. So I think there's just some, uh, I think there's some interesting leadership challenges that a nonprofit leader has to tackle uh, that oftentimes are not the same in the for-profit sector. So those are just a few things to think about as we look at our nonprofit leaders that are doing it really well and say, how can we learn from them? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, coming from the business world, you know, I was in it for about 20 years and going into the nonprofit space, I have never in my life worked with individuals who are so compelled by that deep passion, compassion, and desire, whatever their mission is or whatever whatever their vision is for their organization. The You just feel it. You know, you walk into a room of different leaders from from various nonprofit organizations and you can just feel it in the room. It's just oozing with that just drive to help humanity in it's not not necessarily something I've felt in organizations. Yes, there's I've worked with great organizations. I hear what you're saying and it's how how they're able individuals like yourself to motivate people with limited funds. And I think maybe that goes back to your earlier question, too, is get to the root. What is it that really drives people? So I I think you have a really big message there. You know what, Justin? We're already at our first commercial break. Can you believe that? So what I'm going to ask you to do and remind everyone else out there over the break, go to my website that's transformationalenergyleadership.com and when we come back I'm going to ask Justin to get a little a little bit more personal as an entrepreneur and really what does it mean and what does it look like from a philanthropic lens to really create awesome so we're going to delve into create awesome after this two minute two minute break see you back in back here Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Take a closer look at yourself in the present. Your body has its own GPS system designed to help you follow your intuition, align your thoughts, and set your own course. Host Dee Lee is here to be your external guide to this discovery. Take a break, a mindful space to pause, and help bring forth the balance that your life deserves. Listen live for Mindful Space to Pause every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right, welcome back, everyone. I am talking today with Justin Miller. He's the co-author of Beyond Blood, Hope and Humanity in the Forgotten Fight Against AIDS. Justin took a vision of what can be for those afflicted by HIV and AIDS and created a movement to make change, bettering the lives for all those involved. And I'm talking about staff, volunteers, and recipients of the movement movement itself. Now, let's get into the details of what it takes to really excite and lead a geographically dispersed workforce to success and other things. And so, Justin, let's first talk about your personal journey as an entrepreneur. Well, Matthew, for me, the I guess the, the journey was a little bit unconventional, and, and I, in many ways, I was a very reluctant entrepreneur. I don't, I would never have described myself as one when I was in college. But my, uh, obviously, I got confronted with this issue, this need, when I was just 19 years old, and. I guess like a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they see something that, uh, they see an opportunity or need that just has to be met or filled. And in my case, I just could not turn my back on the people that I had met in Kenya who had just shaped my world so much through their stories. And I had these two incredible men in Kenya, Cornell and Duncan, who would ultimately become my co-founders. And they were just positioned so well for success if they had the right partnership, the right resources. And so I, I said yes to jumping into this, this journey, not imagining that 12 years ago I would still be doing uh, the same work with the same organization. But uh, for me, uh, I mean, I've been through all the stages of being an entrepreneur, uh, of being in those really, really tough startup years where I was the only guy in the U.S., responsible for wearing every hat in the organization and just trying to get this thing off the ground. And then as we've gotten momentum and built more of a, a, a more lasting institution, how do we continue to build that for the future so that it can last far beyond just me as the founder? Um, so we've been through a lot of stages in this journey as an entrepreneur. And I like what you said when you started the conversation saying you just couldn't turn your back and there, there it is. You couldn't do it. And I think a lot of people do, you know, I, I have to ask you, so care for AIDS, it's operated and overseen by 173 full-time staff and you've gradu- graduated a lot of individuals, 15,500 people from this, your nine month program. So I've got a couple questions here. The first one is how did you enlist 173 full-time national staff to coalesce in this common goal together. Yeah, well, first of all, let me give credit where credit's due, which is to my my co-founders, Cornell and Duncan, because they have built this team, and and people always come back from Kenya, and they they remark mainly on, how did you find such amazing people? And and the challenge is not just enlisting 173 people. It's enlisting the the right 173, because in Kenya... Mm -hmm a country that with nearly 40% unemployment, uh, there are a lot of people that would love to work for our organization. But we've had to be extremely clear around um, our common goal, our common vision, and the cultural values that we want to uphold. And then we work really, really hard to try to select people who fit into that culture. Um, because we want to identify people who 
see this as more than a job. They, we want to see people who care deeply and very personally about our clients. And uh, that can be a challenge, but when you get it right, it, it works really well. One of our staff members named Dorcas, uh, one of our clients had to go. She was a single mom. She had to go into the hospital for multiple weeks to receive treatment. And our staff member just took in her two kids and stayed with mm-hmm. them for two weeks while their mom was in the hospital. And she did not know this woman outside of our programs. She just knew that I need to step up. I need to serve. And so we need people like that. And so for us, it's a lot of it rides on getting the right people. And then once we've gotten them on the team, we have to do all the things that, that all of the leaders listening have to do as well. We have to just reinforce our vision and our culture. We have to over-communicate it time and time again. We have to model it. We have to reward it. We have to celebrate it. And um, we continue to try to do those things in the midst of some environments that are that can be pretty challenging to do that. I, I believe you even said Collins earlier. Wasn't it Jim Collins who talked about you need to have the right people on the bus? I think it was him who, who said yeah. that. And, yeah, yeah. Let's say that. Yeah, that's that's where it starts because it, you know, it's you can train people in some things, but if they don't have the heart, they don't have the right makeup in their character. Those are things that are really hard to change in the in the workplace. Absolutely, and hearts what drives. Wow, it's in your story about spending two weeks with those that mother's children so that she could get treatment. That speaks volumes right there. You, and along the way, I'm sure you had some challenges. What were some of those that you had to face? Well, one thing that you'll you'll read about a little bit if you if you read the book Beyond Blood is that the the tribal tensions are very real in Kenya. There mm-hmm. are. 43 tribes in Kenya, but two of them in particular are uh, always in conflict with one another, uh, oftentimes resulting in violent uh, outbursts and riots. And my two co-founders happen to represent those two tribes, but our staff is, is represents the diversity of these different tribes. And you just can't ignore just the way that we have certain divisions in our country along racial and political lines that um, we are working so hard to to bring reconciliation there in Kenya. We have to work really hard to make sure that these tribal dynamics don't create a culture of distrust in our organization um, because in, especially around political time, that can be a real tension to creating a really unified culture. And then on top of that, we just have the, the shortcomings that I'm not, used to here in the U.S. of just having people in nine different regions around East Africa. And we, most of our staff don't either have access to or check regularly any kind of email. Um, so we have to communicate a lot through relaying messages through our leaders down through the organization and then relying on bringing people together in groups to help communicate and cast vision. And so some of those things where we don't have some of the technological um, capacities that we would here makes it a little bit harder to make sure that we keep people moving in the same direction. Mm. I, I'm wondering, I want to go back to your comment about having the tribal tensions. And I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if this is a parallel example, but I can tell you from many of my journeys in, in Asia, for example, we had a, an organization or the, the company I was working with at the time, we were opening up offices in India and we had some Pakistanis also on staff. And 
things started to emerge, you know, those microaggressions, for example, where um, one from, you know, maybe a Pakistani would walk into a room full of Indians or vice versa and how everything would just stop. And there's that deep, you know, that deep uh, tension that's there. And so I'm wondering or I'm curious about how have you navigated some of those because they're so complex and difficult. Yeah, they are. They are. I, I think my my co-founders have managed this so well and they understand the tension and they've lived it. And honestly, nothing speaks more, uh, just speaks volumes to our staff than the unity that Cornell and Duncan share uh, in leading the organization. Um, they may not agree on everything. Uh, we would never expect that, but they always present themselves in a unified front to our staff. And um, and that's that's so key. But but we've been even a little bit more proactive to say, okay, especially when we feel like this is boiling up a little bit, we've actually we've hosted um, kind of like a town hall or, or kind of a roundtable environment in our different regions for our staff to come and create a safe space to facilitate a conversation about uh, what's going on in the political space, um, what are the narratives that you're hearing about these other tribes and how does that make you feel? And let's talk about what, how that comes into our, our own organization and how you feel at times towards other staff members. And let's see, like, let's see if those ideas that you have are, are really based in anything uh, true, because ultimately uh, a lot of those things are just fears that people have in their mind that are not based in reality. So just mm-hmm. creating a space for that uh, very intentionally have that conversation has been very valuable for our staff. And then I think Cornell and Duncan's example is really powerful as well. And isn't that, isn't that the answer or one of it's having communication face to face. And when you're talking about those fears, you know, in the, in the coaching world, we, we really challenge those. Are those interpretations or are you making assumptions based off of one piece of data? What's the real truth? And that's what you're, you're saying there is, What's the truth about that that feeling that you have inside? And it's so important to address those because we are emotional beings, and it's it's we can't just ignore those those very factors. There's something that's that's called the ladder of inference. I know I've talked about it in the show in the past. It's that ladder where as you start to go up the ladder, you 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 take a piece of information or data, and then you assign meaning to it, and then before you know it, you're you're heading up the ladder of you start making assumptions mm-hmm. about it and then you act. And like you're saying is what's the real truth? We have to keep going back to what's the truth. Yeah. And that makes exactly perfect. right makes a lot of sense you know for i have to ask you in terms of my listeners who are out there listening to the conversation right now they've got let's say you know they've got this driving passion they've got this fire and they want to start something that's so true and real like your movement what would you say are the first steps that you recommend to make their vision come to life i know it's a big question right (laughs) yeah (laughs) There is a lot of of pieces there, but I would say the first thing you have to do is, and and I I really just stumbled on this in my own journey, but you really have to to seek to really deeply understand the issue that you want to tackle. Um, And then, and, and these two things work together, and then you have to get proximate to the people that are affected by that issue. And Care for AIDS, the, the beauty of our first trip to Kenya was that it was 
it was a literally just a discovery trip, a fact finding trip. We, we didn't go in with any, any, any preconceptions about this is the answer. This is the solution. We just went, we spent time with people and we asked a lot of questions and all of a sudden the, the solution that we were looking for was, was burst out of that. Um, there's a, there's a great story I just heard recently. There's another co-founder who has a great organization in East Africa. Um, her name's Liz Bohannon, but she, she talked about how she was sitting in her cubicle in New York. She desperately wanted to help vulnerable girls and women around the world. And she realized that she didn't know a single person who fit that description. Mm. And so she went home and she told her parents that she was moving to Uganda to make a friend. And I love that. She's like, I'm, that's yeah. why I'm going to Uganda. I'm going to make a friend. And at the end of the day, I didn't go to Kenya for that purpose. But when I got there and I met Cornell and Duncan and I met people like Pamela and Evelyn and so many others who were living with HIV and AIDS, um, that allowed me to have a very clear picture of the issue and develop a very personal heart for it um, because the people I knew and cared about were suffering as a result of it. So I think you've got to understand it through a, a lens that's as unbiased as possible and you can, so you can understand what are the root issues here we need to tackle and we need to get close to the people who are affected by it. And then after that, maybe you're supposed to start an organization, but my first response was, what organizations are already doing this that I could try to join up with? Because we do, there are not a lot of barriers of entry into the nonprofit space. And so we create a lot of organizations and at times they can be redundant. Uh, and we need great talent in organizations who are already trying to solve these problems. But mm. if you feel like this issue can't be met, then, then I think you have to dive in and invite people to help you design a response to it and, and continue just to test your ideas and use as much data as you can to try to understand are we, what is success and are we accomplishing success through our tests so that we can um, make sure that we don't try to scale up something that's not going to be producing the desired impact. Mm. And it all begins so there's a lot, through there's a lot there, but, uh, but that's just a, a yeah. sample. Hey, that's, that's quite all right. There's not one easy answer. I really appreciate how you began your answer by saying pure curiosity, asking the questions, make a friend. We can all do that. We can all do that. The challenge is, is to do it, as you said, through an unbiased lens. Excellent, excellent start there. We're at a break right now. And so for everyone out there, when we come back, we'll continue this conversation on vision, mission, and his path, Justin's path towards transformation for everyone involved. And also, how does one really create awesome? Let's talk about that, too. So everyone stay tuned. We'll be back here after this two-minute break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Tune in for 5 Blossom Radio. Each week, host Denise Richard will discuss common interests in the fields of art, health, and spirituality. The series is arranged into three parts, focusing on 5 Blossom Gatherings, the Four Voices Program, and Fires of Compassion. Every program is available on demand. So if you miss any part of the series live, be sure to catch up. Five Blossom Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you where you want to be right now? 
We live our lives sometimes looking at others and thinking the grass is always greener on their side, not realizing that we have the power within us to pursue our dreams. It begins with a head start in the right direction. And that head start is with host Carla D. Walker and from the inside out. Believe in your abilities and take action. Listen live every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And here we are, everyone, and today I'm talking with my guest, Justin Miller, who took something deeply meaningful to him and created a movement impacting lives for others, for people located in other parts of the world. And this meant soliciting others compelled with the same intent, as he said in the last segment, who share the same values and the same culture and what really drives them. And I have to say, this all requires leadership and energy to really achieve transformation, as we all know. And Justin, to do what you've done, surely you've had successes and failures along the way. And, and I, I think it's so important to bring those up. Successes are great, but it's also in failures where we also learn the most about ourselves. And I'm curious, what are some of the key leadership lessons you've learned over the years? Yeah, wow. How long do we have? Uh, this, is a, <laughs> this has been great. Uh, you know, for me, one of the things I continue to learn as an organization that we are obviously more, more focused on impact than we are growth. We really do want to continue to grow so we can serve more people. Um, and for me, I think one of the things I've learned is I need to continue to build my team, and in my case, my board, for where I'm going and not where I am today. And that has continued to be something that is hard to kind of keep on the front of your mind, but I have noticed that in our journey, the, the times when things have, have stalled or we've had issues in the organization um, that have like prevented our growth and impact. A lot of that has been because we were not, um, we were not already ahead of ourselves in terms of growing um, the team, but also that, that applies to your systems and, and processes as well. So that's been a big, big learning for me. Um, you know, another thing that I've learned, we, we talk about in our organization, now how do we, how do we use our voices to help liberate the people on our team and really empower them? And I think for me, it's been, uh, I think you do that by finding a really good balance between providing people support and providing them with challenge. And, um, and for us, that's some of the language we talk about. And I think for me, I just, part of the way I'm wired, I just, I I like to give more support uh, than I do challenge. And, and that's true of some people, a lot of people on our team. And ultimately that does not produce the best outcome because too much support uh, with no challenge creates a, just a culture of entitlement. And, um, but if you have too much challenge with no support, there's just a culture of fear. So for me, that's something that I am constantly learning of how do I, 
hold these two things in tension together. Um, and then, you know, I, we could talk for a while, but I'll just say the last thing too probably is that I, I, I do think that the best return on my time is, is multiplying myself in other leaders in my organization. And I, I continue to struggle at times with how do we, um, how do I pull out of the work and really invest into the people that are around me? Cause if I can have that team of leaders around me, that is going to take care of trades further faster than I could, uh, just by myself. Mm-hmm. And the greatest gift you have to give to others is your time and your support. And I like what you said, the challenge and support. And I believe it was Goldsmith who wrote the book, What Got Me Here Won't Get Me There. Constant reminder for all of us to keep looking forward. So that's a great lesson to share. You know, I, I talk about... I've named the show Creating Awesome, and I talk about transformation. That's such a big part of what I like to, to hone in on on the show. And so I want to, ask, want to ask you, how does one go about just creating awesome that really makes an impact? And maybe you've already said it, but I think it's worth highlighting. Yeah. You know, I, I love that idea, Creating Awesome. I think inherent in that idea, and even you say make an impact, I think – there's this idea that we have to continue to be always asking the question, how can I, how can I add value to others? Um, how can I be, you know, a net giver as opposed to a net taker? And, and that for me, I mean, at the end of the day, care phrase is the way that I'm able to, to add value to the people on my team and the clients that we serve. And I think if we continue to wake up and ask that question and we can align those things with the things that we're passionate about in the world, uh, you are going to be able to devote your time and your energy to doing something that really creates uh, an awesome impact. And I think to allude to some things we've already talked about, but just to reinforce, as you said, taking risk is so important. I would, I would take, more risk going back than I even did in the last 10 years. Um, but, you know, if you're not careful, like you said, you'll, you know, the bigger the organization becomes, you will become more and more risk averse, which ironically is what got you to be a, a, a large organization in the first place. And so I would just continue to take those risks. And, and then just wherever you are, you can always be a continuous learner. Um, that's something that has been just instilled into me from the youngest age and whether it's formal education, but more often than not, it's just informal learning through relationships, through reading, uh, that is going to prepare you um, to, to step into that opportunity to create something awesome. I like how you said, I'm, I, I think all of us could benefit every morning when we wake up. It's, there's the question, yes, how can I add value? But I really like when you said, how can I be a net giver today? How can I do that today? That's so, so valuable. And I, I agree with you that the risk, taking risks is so important. And one of the striking things that came out of my research when, I'm, when I was traveling around the country interviewing leaders was that real leaders who are compelled by the values and the integrity and their morals and everything that drives them is there's this real intolerance for risk aversion. So 
you're right. Follow your principles. Follow your values. It makes a perfect sense. You know, you know Justin, I, I talk a lot also about energy. I think that energy is felt. Some people can argue with me, what, what have you. But I think it's really powerful. When someone walks in the room, they've got that magnetic, that really positive energy. You can feel it. And you can also feel it when someone comes in, not so, you know, the bad energy. I call it catabolic energy is the bad anabolic is the good and so when you think about all the work that you've done the people you've engaged with what are your thoughts on energy and and how it relates to leadership Mm. well obviously this may be a little bit different application than what you're you're describing but you know for me I, i really do believe that that we need to manage our energy um even maybe more so than we manage our time um that we do have sources of our energy that are required to lead at a high level. And, um, I, you know, I think I always trying to do a, do an assessment of, of how am I doing on my spiritual, physical, emotional, mental energy? Uh, am I continuing to invest in that so that I can give out of that place to the organization that I lead and then also to my family? And so there are things that I do practicing in my life that I think are critically important to continue to, to, to say what they will in Kenya to top up my, uh, those energy levels so that I can have what I need, need to lead. Um, but I think going back to what we talked about earlier, that there is a magnetism about certain leaders. And I think that the, having the posture of how can I add value to you? How can I serve you? Um, that seems like a very submissive posture, but I believe that people are drawn to leaders who they know are for them and who want to help them be successful. And that is part of this energy conversation that I think is relevant is, is when you go into the room, it's all about how do I, how do I gain value from this, how do I extract value from this, that's not going to be the thing that's going to contribute to the, the highest energy in the room. I think it's going to be that posture of how do I come in and how do I look for ways that I can serve and add value. Mm-hmm. And you're right. We need to manage our, our energy and our leadership. And it's so great that you brought up thinking about your spiritual, your physical, your mental those are great aspects because we are, we're complete human beings. We're not just one dimensional, you know, and you're right. I, I will often ask when I'm working with my clients or even my, in my own life, when something is off, stop and do an audit, if you will, of your life. What's going on? Is there something in financial aspect of my life or maybe my health and my fitness, maybe something's off there. It's so important to keep in touch with who you are. And it's so important for leaders because we all know everyone, every single person's watching you and every word that comes out of your mouth and how you respond and act such a, in every, every dimension of leadership, really. So you, you raise yeah. excellent points. Yeah. You know, I, I have to ask you, so, you know, I've had faith leaders on my show, you know, from different walks, faith consultants and such, and, you know, and it's so Faith is such an important component of what they do as well as I know it is for the work that you do. And so how do you see the role of the church in caring for people both physically and spiritually? Well, I think it's, it's fundamental. I, I think it's the way that um, God desires uh, his followers to uh, express his love and his mercy onto the world. And 
I think that it is something that in different times has been, you know, different churches have approached it different ways, and some really care little about this kind of temporal world, and they really want to focus more on eternal, but I believe that, that we have to marry these two together, because I think part of why, um, what I believe in my faith is that I believe that um, that part of what we're supposed to be doing is to be partnered with God in bringing His kingdom to earth through the renewal of broken people and broken systems, and that that Jesus, in His example of leadership, would um, his ministry would have looked a lot different on earth if he only cared about people's spiritual life, uh, but he was deeply concerned for people's physical well-being. Um, and so I think for me, God has a really, I think he has a, a, his heart is close to people who are marginalized, who are hurting, and um, he sees every person made in his image, and we need to be honoring of that as we serve and care for them. And and as much as we're they're receiving care on that side, I think we too, as part of our own discipleship and our faith, as we serve and sacrifice, I think that is so important for us as we grow in our faith as well. So I think it's critical for the church to take up the mantle of caring for people, um, both physically and spiritually. Mm-hmm. We've we've really covered a lot in this segment. We started our conversation just in the past ten minutes, talking about where am I today, and you know where do I need to be going to keep looking forward to being a net giver, to think about how do I manage myself, looking at my physical, spiritual, mental dimensions, and then express love and mercy in the world. Okay, that's a lot and so many valuable nuggets right there. So, Justin, we're at a break. When we come back, I'm going to put this challenge on you to help us boil this down to what are some actionable things that all of us listening to this conversation can take away and implement in our lives today. So, everyone out there, stay tuned. We'll be back here on the other side of this commercial break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. 
That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. Now, today's discussion has been about following your passion to lead real transformation. And my guest today, Justin Miller, has shared his story, one with a motivation to tackle the devastating results of HIV and AIDS throughout East Africa. This really takes vision and it takes leadership and drive. And Justin, we've talked a lot today over the past hour. And my challenge for you is let's summarize all this. What you believe are the three to four main concepts you want us all to take away from this conversation that we've had so that we can literally create awesome, not only, not for ourselves, but really from your message for the world and others. Yeah, that's that's not an easy task. So let me try to let me try to give you three big ideas to take to take with you. I think one thing that we've come back to time and time again is that wherever you are, you just need to take a step towards whatever passion that you have, or maybe it's a problem that you want to solve. Um, when I started Care for AIDS, I did not imagine the future where we would be kind of this big or have even been around for a decade. Um, but I was just able to take a step in the direction that I needed to go. And um, had I known what the future held, I might not have started it because I, it would have been, would have realized how hard it would have been. But whatever that is, um, take that step. And for me, it was getting on that plane to go to Kenya. And um, I think that's something that we can all take from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just reinforce this idea that just wherever you are, just continue to learn and grow. My dad always told me, your capacity to learn determines your capacity to lead. And, uh, and I just think that that is, is so important as we try to create um, organizations that can help change the world. Uh, and then wherever you are right now, whether you're leading something or not, you have an opportunity to serve people around you. And you have an opportunity to add value to people through very small, sometimes in, in larger ways, but you have a way to kind of encourage and um, support the people around you. And I think that's something that um, if we are faithful in doing that, not only is it going to help us build great relationships, but it is going to open doors for us to continue to lead more and more if we're, if we're trying to figure out how to add value to people around us. Mm. How can I be that net giver rather than the net taker? Thank you, yeah. Justin, for, wow, all these, all these things. And I, I really like how you said the first, the first thing that all of us need to do is to take a step. Nothing will happen without action. Take that, and it may seem like you were saying huge, big, you know, just maybe and overwhelming to a sense. And the first step that we all need to do, break it down into small little nuggets and take that one step. That's where things begin to happen. So thank you for that. So thank you for those this last three things. Take the step, keep on learning, and wherever you are in this world, we all have the capacity to serve and help others. So excellent excellent themes for us to carry forward in our lives so justin if people want to the listening audience wants to get a hold of you what's the best way for them to contact you after the show yeah well uh, i'll give you two websites you could you can reach me through first is is my website justintmiller.com you can learn about the book on there you can find links to all of my, my social accounts and you can reach out to me there by email uh, and then also just the organization's website, careforaids.org, to learn more about what we're doing in East Africa. And um, there's a way to reach me through that site as well. Fantastic. You know, when I, 
I, I'm always curious when I have different leaders on the show or different points of view when we talk about leadership. I like to ask my guests, so now what are, what are you reading? You know, you even said it's so important to keep on growing. And I'm curious, what are you doing to continue your self-development and growth? Mm. Uh, two things happening right now. Uh, one, I, I just finished a great book that was really a, it was really a defining book for me in, in terms of my own spiritual journey. It was called The Celebration of Discipline. Uh, so I've, I've got to pick out what the next book is going to be that I'm going to be working through. But for me also, in my development, I'm always looking for is there, you know, what is one area at a time that might be an area of growth or a critical gap that I need to address? And for me this year, I've been working really intently on uh, my communication and my public speaking. So I have a coach right now I'm working with. I'm writing talks, I'm delivering talks, I'm getting feedback on those talks. So for me, that was an area that I focused on this year, and it's, it's been a, a great experience. Excellent to do, and all of us can keep, you know, Paul, or, yeah, working on that very dimension, that communication piece. Now, so for everyone out there, remember the book that Justin wrote, and it's really... Yeah, it, get it. It's called Beyond the Beyond Blood, Hope and Humanity in the Forgotten Fight Against AIDS. And also during the commercial break, I, just to be transparent with all the listeners out there, Justin and I were talking and he said that his his father just wrote a book called Win the Heart. Did I get that right, Justin? That's right. Yes, Win the Heart, which gets at the heart, really, literally, of everything we've been talking about today. So thanks again, Justin. I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing your story. And for everyone that's out there listening, if you have a topic that you'd like covered on the show, perhaps you know someone who could bring enlightenment to our conversations in this dimension, in this world called leadership and transformational and energy Please let me know. And if you're looking for some resources to assist you and on your journey, go to my website. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com. Also, you can contact me and we'll say at transformationalenergyleadership.com. And I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, and of course, this platform. And so until next time, everyone out there, harness your positive energy and lead that transformation. We will talk with you again next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.